You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. I really enjoyed the worship this morning. And, uh, you know, it is so wonderful when we worship Jesus. Um, he is our Lord and He is our Savior. He is our best friend. And, uh, you know, our life is completely meaningless without Him. And, you know, all of us here, we can testify. All of us who have a relationship with Jesus, we can testify of all the great things He has done in our lives. I'm so glad to be back here after a few years. Um, as the pastor mentioned, I have graduated from the IBTI uh, in 1997. Uh, I graduated from the Bible College, but then uh, my training just started. Uh, it, never, it never ended. And still, in, I'm in a training process. And my, the Lord is still working in my life. And the Lord is still um, doing his, his work, what He has promised that He will do in our lives. As I said, I enjoyed so much the worship. It just um, feel, you know, makes me feel so much at home. You know, it is so wonderful. I'm reminded once they asked, uh, you know, we were singing, uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And uh, they asked the author the other day, what is a leader? What is a worship leader? What is worship? What is a worshiper? And uh, he had a very interesting, uh, a very interesting remark to make. He says, a worship leader is the one who is strong enough to lead the whole congregation to Jesus. And weak enough to draw no attention to himself or herself. And I thought, you know, this morning as we were just focusing on the Lord Jesus, as we were worshiping, uh, it was such a wonderful thing. It's, this is where the Lord dwells. This is where the Lord uh, rests. And uh, this is why then the church like this one uh, becomes a blessing, not only to the town, but becomes a blessing to many. Uh, becomes a blessing to the nations. Uh, I believe this church has been serving and, you know, as a, as a strong a catalyst to spreading the gospel to other parts of the world. And I always remember two years coming every Sunday here, and uh, the Lord did some great things uh, through the lives of many. Um, so thank you so much for having me. Um, I'll introduce myself one more time. My name is uh, Driton Krasnici. I have been serving for a number of years as a local pastor in the church in Pristina. Now I'm, now I'm leading the Evangelical Alliance, which is the uh, alliance, alliance of uh, evangelical churches throughout the country. Uh, to some of you who have been to Kosovo, you know, it's a tiny little country. It's the size of one of, the, of your counties here, um, you know. But uh, I really believe that the Lord has a plan uh, for, for that nation, just as he has a plan for other nations, just as he loves all other nations. And... Um, I'd like to, to talk to you a little bit about, uh, about Kosovo. I'd like to talk to you a little bit uh, about you know, some of the work we are doing. But really, before we go there, I um, just wanted to, um, to um, go to um, Romans 15.19. Uh, if you have your Bibles, that's fine. If you have your tablets, that's also okay. Um, you know... It's so interesting. Tablets have not been invented so lately. You know, God had given them to Moses you know, a thousand years ago. But then he made a terrible mistake. He broke them down. And then we had to wait all these years <laughs> for more tablets to come. <laughs> so, you know, you can find the word of God in the tablets too, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, in Romans 15:19, this is Paul writing. 
Um, and he says he made a very interesting uh, statement that still, I think today, some historians and theologians are debating about it. But really, I'd, I'd like to, you know, just to bring to you, to reveal to you where I'm coming from in terms of the need for the gospel to be preached to the all the ends of the world. In Romans 15, 19, um, Paul is saying, it is with signs and wonders that I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ all the way to Illyricum. It is with signs and wonders that I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ all the way to Illyricum. And you know, us Pentecostals, we would like to always read this as I have as I have proclaimed the full gospel all the way to Illyricum. It is the full gospel. It is all the gospel. Um, that doesn't really matter. What I'd like to focus this morning is the area and the gospel that Paul preached, which is the salvation of the soul, which is a hope to the nations, and which is a guarantee for a progress and a prosperity of any nation. If you think of Kosovo, uh, if some of you can visualize this, if some of you can think of a country, think of the Balkans. Um, you know, about 12 years ago, in 1999, we went through one of the most devastating and terrible wars that uh, probably Europe had seen after World War II. Um, almost entire nation were driven out of their homes and were expelled out of the country. And the Kosovo became as one of the, one of the worst examples of what a man can do to a man. Um, you know, it became one of the places that people kept thinking how on earth still in today's world, in today's Europe, people can still do such atrocities to one another. But if you, you know, all the years passed and people were thinking now, okay, the, I think the country and the world is a better place now, Europe is a better place now. And then if you're thinking only um, a week ago, the football match, uh, in Belgrade, between Albania and Serbia. It just reveals one more time the deep, deep hatred that is right there among the people, among the two nations in the, in the, in the, in the peninsula. And uh, this way, many politicians who were proclaiming that all is calm, and I think many pastors too, and many preachers who were thinking that finally the Balkans is being evangelized, suddenly are waking up again one more time, thinking that there is so much more still that needs to be done in that part of the world. I am glad that God allows very often some of these incidents to wake up as a wake-up call, to wake up us, to wake us up, uh, and letting us know that there is still a long way to go, and that the gospel of Jesus Christ only is a hope for the nations. Um, but you see, the gospel actually had been preached in that part of the world. As we read from Romans 15:19, uh, Paul is saying that he had actually proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ all the way to Illyricum. Then in 2 Timothy, we, we see that Titus had been appointed actually to Dalmatia, which is the former Yugoslavian countries. Um, Illyricum uh, is the, today's Albania and Kosovo and parts of Serbia and parts of Macedonia uh, in the border with Greece. 
And Paul is saying that he had preached the gospel all the way to Illyricum. Some of the um, discoveries, some of the archaeological discoveries, they speak that actually Paul had planted churches personally in this area of the world. But a few things have happened and things have gone terribly wrong. Just like all other nations in the Balkans, I think Illyrians too, they were pagans. And they were worshipping false gods. Uh, theology, as I said, uh, archaeological discoveries, they revealed that one of the main gods of the area was a serpent. Uh, the statue discovered you know, in that part of the world teach that people on Mars were worshipping a serpent. And the statue they built were always for the snakes and for serpents. Which then, you know, for so long as a nation turns its back to God and worships God's enemy, is calling on curse upon themselves. And this is exactly what people, what nations in the Balkans have done for centuries and centuries. They have worshipped an enemy, an enemy that God declared to be the enemy forever. And uh, as a result of that, God would not bless nations there. That's why then things do go wrong. And whilst Europe is reforming its church, whilst Europe is going through a reformation and the gospel is being uh, preached and taught in a new dimension, in a new way throughout Europe, the Balkans goes through the process of Islamization. You have the Ottoman Empire spreading all across the peninsula and Albanians and some uh, Serbs in Bosnia, they convert en masse. Now friends, this is one of the most intriguing questions that I keep asking all the time myself. What needs to happen for a nation, all of them together, all of them en masse, to become God's enemies? What did actually happen in people's lives? What were they thinking when they turned their, their back to God, when the gospel they had received when them be, being first missionaries and spreading the gospel probably all the way to Europe, to other parts of the world, suddenly, all of them, as a nation, they are turned their back to God. And then as a result, then you have the process of the Islamization of an entire nation. And then suddenly the Balkan Peninsula gets from bad into worse. And then today, as a result, or consequences of that is... Albanians in Kosovo uh, are 95% Muslims. And the need for the gospel there is as real now as it was 2,000 years ago under Paul. But really the situation, and this is again where, you know, for so long as we um, turn our back to Jesus, you know, things do get, although God always looks mercifully, although God has always seen at the Balkans with, a, with an eyes of grace and mercy and calling on people to go back to Him, you know, people have always rejected that. The result, you have then the communism appearing yet another um, of God's enemies. And then you have again the Balkans to be the center for communism to, 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 to root itself and to grow and to become now again the example of this new religion that will be introduced to other parts. And then 
the combination of two, the combination of both Islam and um, communism has all the political um, effects in, in, in the nation and it has all the spiritual effects in the entire nation. However, I have not only come here to bring some of these negative elements. I believe there are some great things that God has been doing also in that part of the world. In God, He never gave up on the Balkans. He never gave up in the Albanians. In 1976, uh, for the first time, you know, while Albania was still communist, while um, you know they were just so proud of that, you know, while they were trying even to sell communism to other nations, God sends His grace and mercy. In 1976, we have for the first time the first convert uh, of, of a non-Albanian. And um, his name is Nick. As he was serving in the Yugoslav army, you know, he heard the gospel through a fellow soldier. And as he was doing it, the Lord just spoke to his heart. And he started reading the Bible right in a communist army. And then going to church and saying, God, if you are a real God, I want to know you. And this is exactly what happens. The Lord shows His grace and mercy. He becomes a Christian. Upon His return, a year after, upon His return to Kosovo, His family become um, Christians, and then as a result, the first churches start. In 1985, we have the first church starting, the first Albanian church, the first known Albanian church, starting in Pristina. And, you know, bit by bit, you know, the gospel is gaining the ground again that was lost once. And then in 1985, it's the, it's the first church they starting. Then from there, uh, Nick moved to another town. And in 1994, he planted another church there. And then today, you know, there are 32 churches in the whole country. You know, Kosovo is a small country. We only have 1. million people living in. And, but we have today 32 churches spread in 17 towns and cities of the country. And this is an amazing thing if we look at the historical aspect. However, if we look at the practical aspect, you know, there is so much more to be done. Kosovo still is a country that has areas that are still untouched with the gospel. But there, you know, where the gospel is being preached, when I look through a human eye, I can tell you, it is so difficult to believe that Muslims who once were enemies of the gospel, who communists, like, like Nick, like my dad, who once were enemies of the gospel, now suddenly become preachers of the gospel and are spreading it everywhere, in every town, in every village, in every street, in every corner. And this is one of the most remarkable things that I can think that is probably happening today in Europe. Where Muslims are turning to the Lord Jesus. At the same time, there are all other people and the enemy continues to work among the Albanians. The enemy continues to make them more Islamized. He is trying to revive their old Islamic faith and turning them into radical Muslims. You know, today we have a number of, uh, of Albanians fighting alongside ISIS. But, you know, at the same time, we have all the people there who are receiving the gospel on daily basis in the whole country. 
And today, as I am standing here, you know, churches are gathered and are worshiping Jesus, just like you and just like me. And uh, this, is, this is the story that um, I could not um, stand but really sharing with you. But then obviously, as I said, the enemy continues to, to do his own work. Uh, just in the last 12 years, 400 new mosques have been built in the country with the Saudi money. And another 500, you know, the Saudi royal family signed a check for another 500 new mosques to be built in the country. Which, thinking of such a small, of 11,000 kilometers square, you know, thinking of a, of a country that's the size of one of your counties here, you know, where are they going to build all of these mosques? I mean, will they come and build one in my yard? Will, where will they, will they do this? And this is where I try to mobilize the church of Jesus Christ everywhere I go, letting them know what is happening and telling them that we need to act in the same manner. We need to preach the gospel to everybody. This is the only hope that we have. The gospel is the only hope for that nation. It is not in the politics. It is not in the economy. It is not in, in, in religion. It is in the Lord Jesus Christ who has proven himself to not allow a nation to disappear from the earth. And it is for this very reason that Paul is writing 2,000 years ago. And I believe those words continue to echo today. It is all way to Illyricum. Where? We don't know. I mean, was it to the... And was it to the beginning? Was it to the middle? All the way to Illyricum. I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is only a full gospel of Jesus Christ that can bring a hope to any nation. It is only the full gospel of Jesus Christ that can transform Albanians, turning them from God's enemies into God's people. It is only the gospel of Jesus Christ that can bring salvation to that nation. It is only the gospel of Jesus Christ that can bring a prosperity to that nation. Which is proven over and over and over and over again. In people's lives and in the nations of the world. And this is where then the Bible calls... That this is the gospel of the kingdom that is to be preached. And when the gospel of the kingdom is to be preached until the end. And then the end will come. Therefore, friends, brothers and sisters. One of my only requests to all of you, to the church and to everywhere I go. Is please do continue to pray for Albanians. Um, not only looking at that in the political aspect that Albania is in our doorsteps. Um, you know, very often talking to the people, talking to the people in the political uh, realms, they say, well, it's, it's much better for uh, Albanians to be Christians because, you know, them, if they are Muslims, they are far too close to Europe. And I'm like, well... You know, it's much better for Albanians to become Christians because by being Muslims, they are far too close to the hell. So, you know, the need for the church to wake up and bring the gospel to the end of every nation is one of our great commissions. Um, therefore, may I uh, leave with you um, only this request. Please do continue to pray for us. 
as the church today in Kosovo is working with people is one of the toughest grounds for the two reasons I mentioned. One is Islam, another one was communism. And for these two reasons, um, the country, the ground there is one of the toughest you can think of. But as I said, nothing is impossible for God. And who could have thought that since 1976 until now, you know, the gospel would have moved with this dimension. Who could have thought that for, after all these years, God would have spared the church from some of the worst atrocities and wars? You know, during the wartime uh, in, in Kosovo, I was, I was living right in the center of Pristina. And in all honesty, you know, me and my brother, as we were, as we were living there, as I said, looking through a human eye, it is still today when I look back and I say, God must have been you. The only reason we stayed in there was because we wanted to stay with those remaining believers. No matter how many they were, we wanted to stay with them. Until really all the roads were, were closed down and couldn't move anymore, we were sitting there. And then at the church, you know, we had received some aid. And in, I don't know if there is one here, but in our church we have a baptistry. And uh, it is right in there that we opened that, we stored the food, and we closed it again. And that served us enough for all days of the war. And uh, only a few days before the war was over, I remember some of our sisters from the church, they came to us and said, we're running out of food. I think we only have food about for another week or so. And after one week, we had the signing of the peace agreement between NATO and Serbia. And then, you know, more aid and more uh, came to the country. Uh, so when I think of all God's protection for his people in some of the worst situations you can think of, such as the war, I believe he has a purpose. And if he can do that for me, if he can do that for my family, he can do it for anybody. And he can, if he can do that for a country like Kosovo, who would turn his back to God, he can do also for a country like England in the situations where we are now. So brothers and sisters, I am not going to uh, take much of, of your time. I don't know if we have uh, more time or not, but I think I'm, I'm done with the time. <laughs> um, but really, I just wanted to, to bring this to you as first as an encouragement that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only hope for individuals and for the nations. And at the same time, to also bring to you as a challenge that the gospel of the kingdom must be preached to every corner of the world before the end will come. And that is the commission that is being given to you and to me and to anybody who has received the gospel, to anybody who has received salvation, to anybody who has signed the peace agreement between his heart and God's heart through Jesus Christ, to anybody who has received the reconciliation through the atoning work of Jesus Christ at the cross. To all of us, this is, this is a call, it's a challenge that we have to do, we have to face and we have to live and we have to respond to. 
Thank you so much for having me. And the Lord bless you. Please do continue to pray for us. We really need your prayers. You know, there are people on the ground today in Kosovo who are continuing to serve God faithfully, but who are facing the resistance on a day-to-day basis. You know, as I said, the enemy has not gone asleep. He continues. He continues to resist the gospel to be preached. But I thank God that if he could have done it in one of the worst situations, he can also do it in the peace time. And that in the name of Jesus Christ, so that the gospel will be preached to Kosovo as well as to other countries. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.